Could you just tell, just, I know that Jonathan explained a little bit about the rescue mission and what you guys do and why you do it, but could you just share a little bit more of your heart since you guys are the, really you're the heartbeat of us going and ministering, and I just thought, this is, uns, this is unscripted, by the way. You could tell by that deer in the headlights look on their faces when I asked them to come up. So, you know, just whatever, if you want to just share anything at all. Well, it's, uh, we've been doing this for a few years, and uh, with uh, all of everybody's donations and all the clothes you've given us, it's, it's just a, it's been a miracle out there. You could see it happening month after month. And uh, <laughs> um, that's good. I'd like to, yeah, share one thing is, uh, there's a couple that from our church that come and help. And one day I saw her bend down putting shoes on one of the homeless ladies. And it reminded me of Jesus and what he does. And it just, I think of that every time, of her sharing herself to this person. And it's really touched my heart. And she's here. <laughs> and she, all the time. <laughs> And it, it was really nice. It, it was very touching. And they're really neat people. And they're so thankful and grateful for everything we do. And it's everybody's donations. Everybody who has given socks, shoes, purses. And if there's stuff that is too good that we really can't sell because it would get stolen from them or they would get in a fight, we've been having garage sales and making money and putting all that towards Blankets, underwear, shoes, socks. So you guys have been a blessing. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you. Oh, my God. Hey. Well, he said, as I walked away, I'll get you. I'll get you. Um. So they meet Friday at the rescue mission, this Friday at the rescue mission at 5 o'clock? 5 o'clock. 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Okay. Thank you, Miss Jen. Appreciate it. This, uh, this Friday at 4 o'clock. And, you know, this is a season of giving, but, you know, when is it not a season of giving? When is it not time to, to think about others and to, to, to bless others? You know, homelessness is, and I know that you guys are aware of this, homelessness is all year long. It really is. And so we have, to be, um, we have to be diligent about trying to make what little difference we can. And, and there are those like those at the rescue mission that are making a huge difference. And so, um, <clears throat> so uh, if they wanted to bring something this week, like maybe for your garage sales, they could bring it to the office. Yeah, and our address is inside the bulletin. And then uh, if you wanted to come and help out, uh, there's lots to do at the rescue mission, lots of sorting, lots of clothes. And uh, yeah, um, I know that... Um, uh, not everybody there is a Christian, and, and it's, an, it's, an, it's an amazing opportunity to also have some really good God talks, not just with the people that are going through line that don't live there, but also with the people that live there and are kind of in transition. I think uh, the last time I went, I got into a great conversation with a young man named Daniel who was actually um, in transition. He had kind of come, he was on his way uh, back to college and stopped in Las Vegas and ran out of money. Imagine that. <laughs> that never happens, right? Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't imagine how we lost everything, but, you know, <clears throat> anyway, um, and, you know, just a great, great conversation about God, you know, and so uh, here's a kid who's down on his luck, really, I mean, it ain't got nothing to do with luck, but anyway, <laughs> he's just down, and, but also, he's in a place where God wanted him to be, 
you know, God put him, God allowed him to get to that place so that God could speak. So there's a lot of men and women that are there that are in a place where they're open to hear God, right? And so anyway, that's our, uh, our paid political advertisement. So, and also wanted to just remind you of, um, of the things that we have. Jonathan mentioned these as well. Uh, these are uh, our way of blessing those who are connected to our body. And so there's information about the uh, hygiene items. And then you could give, grab one of these cards and you can help to sponsor someone that has some needs. And there's some information on the back. You can bring that back to us, okay? And so I just want to remind you of that. Also, last week, if you did not get one of these, there's more copies available. It was our family Sunday last week. And were you blessed last Sunday? Yeah, I was. I was. Yes, thank you for that spontaneous applause in the back, John, John. And, um, and uh, there are more of these are available. You can go through this and... Uh, January 4th, the first Sunday of the year, a part of what we'll be doing is you sharing testimonies of God's grace in your life. Okay, so I want you to be thinking about that as well. All right, let's all stand and pray. And we'll close in prayer this morning. Thank you so much for coming. We're uh, just kidding. Just kidding. They're like, what? You guys wouldn't feel like you got your money's worth if we close right now, huh? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Let's pray. Father God, um, Thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We need it right now, God. Uh, I thank you for um, just the testimonies of, of, of your faithful servants and, and what, what you are in the, in the business of doing. God, as we open up your word, uh, teach us what it means to have a heart of worship. Teach us what it means to, um, uh, to have you uh, in the center of who we are in the very core of, of our being, and to look to you for all things. Uh, let your word speak what it's designed to do and what only it can do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would. <coughs> all right, cool. <clears throat> so I also um, would like to chime in on, um, uh, uh, on the ladies' Christmas event and uh, all of the people that helped out. There's so many people that helped out. Uh, uh, sound guys who were here all day. You know, don't, don't ever ask for any kind of anything and just show up and just bring ladders and, and climb up stuff and, 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 and set up stuff to ladies that come and, and decorate and, and, and help put things together. And I understand there were two uh, gals that came to know Jesus last night as their Lord and Savior. And um, not to mention... From what Don said to me, that uh, that uh, God just moved in such a dynamic way that there were just w women just weeping, crying all, all over, just just touched by God in a profound way. And so, uh, you know, for all of you who wrap things and okay, no, that's that's old. That's really old right there. That's that's when we put the tree up, and that's the ladies that are trying to tell me where to put the next ornament. You know how it is, fellas. You'd be like, look, I just, I'm about to throw this thing on top. I don't even care no more. No. Um, but, uh, no, it, it, uh, for the little things that, that, and here's the thing about the kingdom of God. The small things that you do are significant things. You know, it, it, the, 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 we're a body, and everyone has specific functions to play in the body. Not everybody's a thumb. You know, not everybody's a foot. Everybody has different parts, and we all play our parts together, and in the end, it all comes together because God's Spirit brings it all together, okay? So I wanted to say, I wanted to give you a, a high five on that uh, and a thanks for that. Also, I wanted to mention a, a quick building uh, situation, and just to give you a little scenario of where we are, 
We've been mentioning this property that's, um, that's available over on um, uh, Cheyenne and uh, Maverick. Uh, it's, a, it's an older church, uh, great location. It, it fits our, what our core values are. And I think I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that the, 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 the issue is, is that where they see the value and where we see the value is a big gap. <laughs> it's a very big, big gap. And uh, they've, it's on the market now. It wasn't before, but, you know, they're wanting to sell it for an amount that it's, we, we think is kind of high, but that's what they want to sell it for. And so we're kind of like, I don't know if you've seen um, uh, that, that show uh, where, the, uh, where the people, uh, you know, Mark Cuban and all these guys, uh, uh, Shark Tank, okay? It's kind of like where they go, well, you know, this, that, and the other, I'm out. Well, I don't know that we're out, but uh, we'll see in a couple of weeks where they are as far as their pricing, because the first month you put something on the market, really the first week is the most important time. And, you know, maybe there's a little fudge factor there, so we'll continue to pray about that, but we'll see uh, where they are, all right? But uh, there's a gap there that needs to be, we, we could try to find somewhere in the middle, but we're just not quite there. All of that to say that we do have a building fund, and it's all about down payment, folks. And so I want to encourage you, especially as you think about end-of-the-year giving, that you would consider, prayerfully consider giving to our building fund that we could have, because the more that we have to put down, the better position we'll be in when it comes time uh, to, to uh, someone accepting an offer, okay? We did put an offer in, they countered, and it was like a big gap. <laughs> Let's say it was a big difference between the two, and so that's okay. So I want you to continue to keep praying about that, all right? All right, let's get into God's Word this morning. Um, we are actually going to do a little bit out of Revelation chapter 13, and um, I'm not sure where we're going in Revelation in the future, but I know for today there's a key word that I want to focus on, and that has to do with worship. And if you think about it, it's really an issue of worship. I love the Christmas season. I am one who plays Christmas carols all year long. Years ago, I had an assistant that was working with me in youth ministry, and I was blasting angels we have heard on high, and I have a kind of a, a funky version of that, and it was in June. And he walked in and said, man, what are you doing playing Christmas carols now? I go, have you lost your mind? Listen to these words. These words are profound. I mean, think about the song, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth do what? Receive her king. I mean, think of the, the why can we not sing that all year long? Right? And it's just a suggestion. What about my, one of my favorite songs? Angels, we have heard on high. Uh, Gloria in excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest in Latin. How about we three kings? Born a king on Bethlehem's plain. Gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. How about this song? One of my favorites, especially in this one particular group that does it. Come now long expected Jesus. Listen to these words written by, um, uh, uh, forget Charles, I uh, forget who wrote, I'll think of it. Um, born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine own sufficient merit, Raise us to thy glorious throne. Are you kidding me? That's awesome, right? Okay, so I just wanted to put that in your heart because it really is all about worship. It really is. Now, I've said this to you before. There's an author named Harold Best who wrote a book called Unceasing Worship, Biblical Perspectives on Worship and the Arts. 
And this is what he says about God being who he is and how that relates to our worship. He says, our God's nature is unceasing outpouring and that God is constantly pouring out of himself in love and adoration and an affection, even within the Godhead. God exists in the entity of himself. He has no needs outside of himself because he is self-sufficient in who he is and in the unity of, the, of, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, And so because we are created in his image, we too are unceasing worshipers, unceasingly outpouring. And if you think about it, we are always living to the glory of something. We are always outpouring ourselves into something. You know, whether that be uh, work, whether that be ourselves, we're, we're imaging and reflecting the glory of a cause, uh, 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 some goals that we have. It's the thing that our life revolves around. It's the thing that, that, that gets us up in the morning. It's the thing that we think about. And so he describes worship as this. The continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all I can ever be. So in light of being chosen by God, being made in His image, in the image of God, is to be unceasing, outpouring, just like God is. And so all people are uh, worshipers, whether they are followers of Jesus or not. All people are worshiping whether their worship is directed at God or not. You can go any place in the world and there's something within the heart of man that causes them to worship something or someone or some cause or maybe even themselves. Would you agree with that? Because, you know, before you were a Christian, you didn't realize it, but there were things that you worshipped. There were things that were, that, that, were, that were number one in your life. Maybe it was your career. Uh, maybe it was the opposite sex. Maybe it was something, some, some struggle that you had. You didn't realize it, but you were pouring out your life into this thing. That's because we as humans are made in the image of God. And so if worship is downloaded into our DNA, worship, it is, it is God placed that within us. That unceasing outpouring, it is, it is downloaded, then how we live our life, our practice should be something bigger than what happens on Sunday or Wednesday. Would you agree with that? That, that worship is, a part of worship is coming and singing songs like we did this morning. That's a part of it, but that can't be all of it. Because I believe that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to get us out of scheduling God and sort of boxing God into a time frame and understanding that things like worship, things like praise, is not just something we do on something, but it's on Sunday, but it's a part of who we are. And so everything that we do is for His glory. Everything that we do is that we might worship Him, that we might exalt His name. Everything, whether we're working, there's no distinction between the sacred and the secular because we're worshiping God no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, and we're trying to have an attitude that reflects that. It encompasses everything we do, but oh, how great is the tug-of-war of our affection. Amen? How great is the tug-of-war within us of our affection. 
how easy it is to pour out into things that are not of God. To, to create something that is, that is like an idol in our life that would not be pleasing to God. It is really all about worship. And it's about our heart of worship. Genesis chapter 11 verse 4 says this. And they said, come let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Yeah, what did they want to do? Yeah, they wanted to make a name for themselves. They were worshiping their own identity or worshiping themselves uh, at the Tower of Babel. And what happened, the one thing that they feared the most is the thing that happened to them. They actually were scattered all over the world. But that was okay because that was God's plan anyway. God wanted, didn't want everybody to look alike, sound alike, talk alike, so it confused their languages, and everybody went in a different direction, and that building project sort of came to a close. And therefore, today we have culture, we have color, we have ethnicity, and I believe that's all the heart of God. He wants to reflect that. All right, Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord. In holy array. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 3, you could turn there if you like. Daniel chapter 3, there's two different scriptures we're just going to read through. Uh, you remember the story of how Nebuchadnezzar made this massive gold statue, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide in the plain of Dora in Babylon. It was a statue of himself. And he sent out a, uh, an Instagram to all of the uh, officers put it on Facebook and uh, got the word out to everybody. All the provincial. <laughs> uh, I think if I had a Facebook account, I would just kind of go insane. I do. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it would seriously affect my sleep patterns, you know, but that's just me. Oh, did you see this? This is great, honey. Look, go to bed. No, 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 wait. Oh, you know what? So-and-so didn't like my status. I can't believe it. What? Anyway, I don't even know if you can do that. So uh, he makes this, this statue, and uh, uh, he, he, uh, all the officials came and stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And in verse 4, he says this, and it says, Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other uh, uh, musical instruments bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Remember that? Remember the association between worship and music? Yeah, music's a part of worship. Just go to a concert. What do people do? They are worshiping. Oh, they, well, I'm not worshiping that person. I just paid $86 to get in here. Oh, okay. 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 Right? Especially young people. You want to see people unceasing outpouring? Watch young people. Watch young people when they, when they pour out into anything. Wow, it's like, okay, zeal. Anyway, after seven years in the fields, it says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, King Nebuchadnezzar had an awakening about what wor true worship really was. And he, after he spent seven years... Um, I don't know, how would you say it? Spent seven years in the wilderness. Spent, spent seven years on field duty, literally. It says, after this time had passed, after he regained his senses, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. Listen to what this pagan king says. 
after a, after a bout in the wilderness. His rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say, what do you mean by doing these things? That's quite a revelation from a pagan king, huh? Hey, have you talked to Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, man, he's all about some god from Israel now, man. He, you know, whoo, amazing. Worship, yeah? How's your worship? How is, how is your worship? What do you worship? I don't worship anything. Oh, yeah, you do. You're made in the image of God. You will pour out. You will unceasing, pour, unceasingly pour out into something. We all do. How is your worship? What's, what's, the, what's the core uh, uh, target of your worship? What's at the center of your worship? Uh, who is that? What is that? Well, a lot of that can be, can be determined by where you spend your time, really. Uh, I'm not saying that you worship work because we have to work. Right? I'm not saying, well, you spend eight hours at work or ten hours. Well, we have to work, but that's not it. Because, you know, you can worship while at work. Worship the Lord while at work. That's the continuum. Anyway, so Revelation chapter 13, here's the thing. Satan, our adversary, has always wanted that. Among many other things, like the throne of God, and he wants to replace the Most High God, okay? He has always wanted worship. And, I mean, you could probably say that at the very core of selfishness is the desire to be worshipped, right? Like you have to be really full of yourself to believe that people should worship you. Well, that's Satan. He's pretty full of himself. And he's always wanted to rule and to reign and to be worshipped. Now we know that he'll be defeated at the coming of Jesus Christ and destroyed him and, uh, 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 and given over to uh, uh, to the flames, but for now, that's what his desire is. And so Revelation chapter 13 speaks about this end times ruler. We call him the Antichrist. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to get to the worship aspect. But I just for the context of those that maybe haven't been with us in times past when we did our series through Daniel, I want to just give a little bit of context to this. And so here's the thing. There was an article that came out in Time magazine in 1979. How many of you would, believe, would say that 1979 was a good year for you? <laughs> 1979. You know, some of you had, can't think back that far. I don't even know. Let's see. Where, was I in Cleveland? Was I in Ohio? I even, All right. So this article, Time Magazine, this was the title. This is kind of interesting. Inflation, who is hurt the worst? And there was someone that, was, that they had interviewed. This guy's name is Arthur Garcia, 43 years old who supports a wife and five children on $19,000 a year wage at a, a steel uh, mill in Chicago. And, and here's what he says. You really want to revolt, but what can you do? I keep t uh, waiting for a miracle, some guy who isn't born, and when he comes, he'll we'll follow him like he's John the Baptist. That was in 1979, speaking of the expectations that people have. Imagine if you would, if someone, some end times world leader, someone could bring all of the world religions together. He could bring the world economy to a point of prosperity. Uh, imagine one with the oratory skills to coordinate all of this and to get everyone on the same uh, pages. Again, to bring uh, major religions that, that, that have vast differences together. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce said this, Antichrist will be a substitute 
will, will be a substitute Christ as much as Christ is possible for a tool of Satan, as much like Christ as possible. He will talk about justice, love, peace, and prosperity. He will be brilliant and eloquent. In short, he will appear as an angel of light, as Satan himself often does, and he will be hailed by millions as a superman who will save mankind. There are various other scriptures you can write down, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, if you want to read a little bit more about that. So in Revelation chapter 13, we have some images that, that came from the book of Daniel. Um, and so let's, um, uh, uh, speaking of Satan, his, his goals to be, to be worshipped, um, and actually, I believe that Satan would be okay not just with us worshiping him, but with us worshiping anything. Think about that. Because worshiping anything but true God actually could, in, one, in some respects, be called Satan worship. I mean, what if you worship the sun or the stars or the moon or yourself or Mother Nature or things that were dead? Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 2 says this, verse 20, 21 says this. Yes, uh, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things were in their, uh, their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. And then it says, Amen. And so, if, if Satan, if we don't worship Satan, I believe he's okay with us worshiping anything else but God. Because that is idolatry, which is really at the core of Satanism. And so in Daniel, um, we have this image of a, of a beast. Uh, we have this image of a beast that would be the Antichrist. And this image it, it, it ends up being a... Can we just pray? Can we just pray, guys? I'm kind of... We need to pray. Let's just do that. Let's do that. Okay, Father God, I just um, come before you this morning and I, I, uh, I ask you to... Uh, to lead me in this time and lead us in this discussion. Lord, that you would have your way and that you would speak your word. Help me to speak it clearly. Uh, it's been a difficult week, but God, I just look to you now to speak by your spirit. And um, you can kind of, if you would remove me from the equation, I'd be okay with that. Uh, so thank you, Lord, for this. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Would you agree with that? Amen, amen, amen. Daniel tells us about this beast, and this beast represents different nations, different nations that will culminate in one end-time ruler who will be a part of some ten-nation conglomerate. He mentions this little horn that emerges from the group. For your sake and our, my sake, that's the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 calls him the man of sin, the beast out of the sea, as we'll see in Revelation 13. And it goes on to describe the things that he will do. He'll, he'll shed blood on earth like no other. 
he'll wear down the saints of the Most High. He'll try to change seasons and laws, and he'll, he'll blaspheme God. That says that both in Daniel uh, chapter uh, 7, verse 25, and in Revelation chapter, chapter 13. All right, and so let's get to Revelation chapter 13, and uh, let's kind of go through that. <clears throat> All right, it says in verse 1 through verse one through 3, it says, And he stood on the sand, uh, on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet, this is the imagery from Daniel, were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, and we know from chapter 12 that the dragon is Satan. The sa Satan, the dragon, gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. Now, okay, here's, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast, and then it says this, and they worshipped the dragon. They worshipped Satan, okay? And so the dragon is Satan. Here we meet the Antichrist who comes as this peacemaker. He does all these amazing things, including like settling the Arab-Israeli problem of making peace treaty with them for seven years. He allows the Jewish folks to rebuild the temple. But in the middle of, the, in the middle of that time, he breaks his agreement with them and he sets himself up as God. And it says in verse 1 through 3, that Satan gives him this authority, verse 4. Um, it also appears that the Antichrist is somehow, whether it's real or it's fake, that there's a mortal wound that happens to him. Verse 3 says, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed. So somehow or another, he dies literally, or not actually, but... He's raised from the dead, or a fake attempt to raise him from the dead. Whatever the case, this man will be, or appear to die, and then he'll come back to life. And if you think about that, that sort of looks exactly, or sort of like Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus died, then he rose from the dead. And so one of the things we'll see is how Satan tries to imitate what, what God does. All right, verse 4 through 6 again says, And he worshipped, they worshipped the dragon who is Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast, which is the Antichrist, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war like him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemous and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months. Uh, uh, it was given to him, that's three and a half years. Verse 6 says, and he opened his mouth and blasphemes against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. He'll speak blasphemies in his attempt to crush the people of God. He'll receive authority over every tribe, people, nation, and tongue. And then all who dwell on the earth will worship him. And so guess what? That's Satan's desire, worship. Not only is Antichrist, when he comes, will he be worshipped, but he will draw worship to Satan as well. Verse 7 and 8 says, It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will, here's the word again, worship him. Everyone whose names has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. How impacting would it be for the people of this day to hear John say this? Because every year 
the people who were followers of Christ had to swear allegiance to Caesar. They had to burn incense to him and swear allegiance to him. So when they hear this, they might have been thinking, wow, that's just like what we live through right now. And there's every indication that so many of the believers of the day did not consider worship of Caesar as something that was just more of a governmental thing, but it was a worship thing. And many of them lost their lives because they refused to do it. So we have the dragon, which is Satan, and then we have the beast, which is the Antichrist, and then we have this third part that comes up. Look at verse 11 through 15. It says this. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and who has come to life and there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast might even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So this false prophet performs great signs, making fire come down from heaven. You might remember that Elijah the prophet did that. Verse 14 and 15 says that he commands an idol to be built. He makes it talk. Anyone who doesn't worship this idol is put to death. Verse 16 and 17 says he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand, on their forehead. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name and Verse 17 or verse 18 says, and the, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the, of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666, 666, okay? Um, so not only does the Antichrist come with the false prophet and create a scenario of worship to them, but they control all the world economics. And there's going to be a time where through technology, which is really not that big of a deal for us right now to believe, he'll create this scenario where you can't buy or sell anything unless you have this mark, whatever it is. We don't know what that mark will be, but if without that, you won't be able to buy or sell. So he controls all the economy of the world. And here's, here's something to get out of that. The dragon, Satan, is sort of a counterfeit God the Father. Satan imitates. That's what he does. He doesn't really create too much. He imitates. So the beast is sort of a false Jesus. And then the false prophet is sort of a counterfeit Holy Spirit. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction and to lead us to worship Jesus. The false prophet will lead people to worship Satan through the Antichrist. I have a couple of things out of this book is called Wilmington's Guide to the Bible that speak about um, uh, Satan's 
desire to imitate. Uh, the Antichrist comes in the very image of Satan as Christ comes in the image of God. The Antichrist is the second person of the hellish trinity as Christ is, is in, in the heavenly trinity. The Antichrist comes up from the abyss while Christ comes down from heaven. The Antichrist is, is, sa is a savage beast while Christ is a sacrificial lamb. The Antichrist receives his power from Satan as Christ received his power from the Father. The Antichrist will experience a resurrection, maybe a fake one, just as Christ experienced a true one. The Antichrist will receive the worship of all unbelievers as Christ did of all believers. The Antichrist will deliver mighty speeches as Christ did. Satan will doubtless give to the Antichrist the vast knowledge of philosophy, science, and human wisdom accumulated through the centuries. Uh, the greater part of the Antichrist ministry will last some three and a half years, about the time span of Christ's ministry. Uh, here's some other thoughts. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, while the false prophet is, a, is the third person of the hellish Trinity. The Holy Spirit leads men into all truth, while the false prophet seduces men to error. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ, while the false prophet glorifies um, the false the false Christ. So imitation, all about worship. Remember when Jesus met Satan? Satan tried to tempt him. He says, all these things I will give to you if you what? If you bow down and you worship me. Okay. And so I think about where do we go from there? What do we, what do, we do? Look at chapter 14, verse 7 of Revelation. Well, verse 6, it says this. It says, I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the springs and the waters. So here in chapter 13, we see the Antichrist desiring to be worshipped. We see him stealing worship, taking worship. And then at the end, almost like a last call to salvation, this angel flows throughout the entire earth. And this is the message he preaches. Number one, he says, fear God. Write those things down. Fear God. You want to stay focused in your worship? You want to have a heart of worship? Number one, fear God. Fear God. And that doesn't mean that you're afraid of God, but you have a, you have a holy reverence and an awe of him. You recognize his power. You recognize what, that, what he's able to do. You fear God. Number two, give glory to him. What does it mean to give glory to God? What do you think? What does that mean, to give glory to God? Give him the credit? What else? It's not a trick question, guys. I know you're thinking, I don't know. Huh? Worship, yep. Reflect him to others in all you do and all you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To give glory to God. Um, I don't know if you're a college football fan. Heisman Trophy winner last night, Marcus Mariota. I don't know if you're an Oregon fan. If you're not, I mean, I, sorry. I don't know. That may not be your team. But, but uh, you can't help but love this kid who won the Heisman last night. Uh, and, and, and he constantly thanked others around him. I don't even think he talked about himself. 
when he gave his Heisman speech. And I thought to myself, okay, this kid has to be a Christian. And of course he is. He's a full-on believer in Jesus. I mean, he wins the Heisman Trophy, the most coveted college football award, and all he does is speak about others and speak about how blessed he is by God. Yeah, that's giving glory to him. So fear God, give glory to him, worship him. Worship him. Worship is not just a song, but it's a 24-hour continuum. Don't separate worship from anything else. Worship God in your work. Worship God in your entertainment. Worship God in your studies. Worship God in your worship. Worship God in fill in the blank. Everything you do, worship God. Now, if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're not worshiping the Lord. Okay? So Proverbs 23, uh, 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And I think if we're going to have a heart of worship, we have to guard our heart. Why? Because our heart is so easily swayed. And there's so much competition for number one in our heart, isn't there? There's so much competition. We have to guard our heart. We have to take care. We have to be careful. We have to watch out. Even good things can become center point in our heart. So the proverb says, guard your heart above all else. Let me suggest this Christmas season that you listen to the words of the songs that you sing. Not jingle bells, you know, or Santa Claus is coming to town. I was meeting someone at Starbucks this week, I don't know, just, and I'm like, Santa Claus, they were blasting Santa Claus is coming to town. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? Come on, you're killing me. And then the other people were laughing, thinking the same thing. Like, okay, turn, at least turn it down a little bit. And I'm, I'm cool with the whole, you know, with that song, but it just, I don't know, it just bothered me. I should have went and said, you know what, this song offends me. Santa Claus isn't even real. I'm offended. I'm not coming back. They go, okay. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to pay attention to the words of Christmas carols and I get Santa Claus is coming to town. I was expecting a little more. Anyway, it's all right. Um, hey, I have a song that I, I um, I'm, I'm going to uh, have our ushers uh, come forward and we'll, we'll take our tithe offering. And then I have a song that I want to close with. Um, while we're taking our offering, and, and it's, it's, um, uh, it's meant to just have us kind of focus in and um, spend a little time in worship at the end today, and then I'll close us in prayer when we're done with that. So if I was just to come forward, let's give, let's give, give as the Lord leads you to give, as you feel in your heart. It's always a season of giving, whether it's when the bags go by or when you show up Friday to help those who are in need or, or whatever it might be. Lord, may we be, may we be open to your promptings to give in, in some creative ways this Christmas, maybe some new ways or some different ways. Father, we pray that you would take this offering and that you would multiply it for the furtherance of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, we give to you um, with a cheerful heart and we say be glorified in our giving and uh, God thank you for 
for this, uh, this, um, this opportunity that we have. And Lord, may we not limit our giving to just as the bag passes or maybe we give online or whatever. Lord, may we give, may we have a heart of giving. May we always be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit who would have us to give as an act of worship because that's what giving is. It's an act of worship. So Lord, uh, we give it to you. Would you receive it and bless it and multiply it? In your precious Son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and pass those bags. And then, um, guys, just watch this video and listen to this song and let it kind of sink into your heart.
Amen. Let's all stand, shall we? Um, Father God, focus our hearts and our minds um, during this busy season, this Christmas season. And <clears throat> it's really easy to get lost in the, the celebration of it all and lose focus of what's most important. And the Lord, your desire is that we would have a heart of worship. And so teach us, O oh Lord, uh, what that means. Teach us to follow you and walk with you in all things. And we bless your name and we exalt you and we lift you up on high. And we give you this day in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. 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 Well,